instructions. Last podcast, we talked about what it really means for believers to be holy. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. But since we limit ourselves to 15 minutes or so, we couldn't finish. So we thought we'd share more of our thoughts with you today. That's right, Mama. So to our listeners, you can email us at redpiltorah at gmail.com. Follow us on redpiltorah.podbean.com. Find us at www.redpiltorah.com, our new website, on Facebook, Twitter, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And a special shout-out to our friends in California and Australia. Amen. So we mentioned that um, we would start this podcast at Ezekiel 44. In that chapter, Elohim spoke about priests who had corrupted their way before him. In essence, he said that those priests would bear their sin and they would no longer serve him directly. They would serve in the supporting functions helping the people with their offerings and sacrifices. The sons of Zadok were faithful to Elohim's instructions, even when the other priests were not. Elohim conveyed to them the privilege of serving him directly. He reiterated his instructions for them, outlining the priest's job description. In Ezekiel 44, verse 23, he said, They are to teach my people the difference between holy and common, and enable them to distinguish between clean and unclean. Now, this part of the priest's job description was originally stated in Leviticus chapter 10. Mm -hmm. Starting at verse 8, we read, Jehovah said to Aaron, Don't drink any wine or other intoxicating liquor, neither you nor your son with you when you enter the tent of meeting, so that you will not die. This is to be a permanent regulation through all your generations, so that you will distinguish between the holy and the common, and between the clean and unclean. And so that you will teach the people of Israel all the laws Yehovah has told them through Moshe. First Peter chapter 2 ties believers in Messiah Yeshua to priestly responsibilities too. Starting at verse 9, we read, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for Elohim to possess. Why? In order for you to declare the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are Elohim's people. Before you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and temporary residents not to give in to the desires of your old nature but keep warring that keep warring against you but to live such good lives among the pagans that even though they now speak against you as evildoers they will as a result of seeing your good actions give glory to elohim on the day of his coming as a royal priesthood we are charged with teaching yehovah's people the difference between holy and common, and enabling them to distinguish between clean and unclean. Hebrew people in the Bible were conversant on what these standards meant, but they still needed to be reminded. 
Many believers today are not aware of what these standards mean, how to discern the differences, why they matter, or even the fact that they do matter. Remember Peter's vision in Acts chapter 10? Mm -hmm. Starting with verse 9, the scriptures say, The next day about noon, while they were still on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up onto the roof of the house to pray. He began to feel hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing the meal, he fell into a, a trance in which he saw heaven opened and something that looked like a large sheet being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals, crawling creatures, and wild birds. Then a voice came to him, Get up, Peter, slaughter and eat. But Peter said, No, sir, absolutely not. I have never eaten food that was common or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Don't call common what Elohim has cleaned. This happened three times, and then the sheep was immediately taken back up into heaven. Based on Deuteronomy 14, we now know the difference between what animals are clean and good for food and which are not. However, Jewish te teachers back then taught that uncleanness was transferred between things by touch. The sheet had all kinds of four-footed animals, crawling creatures, and wild birds in it. Sheep, for example, is a clean animal. However, the teachers back then would say that the unclean animals touching it made the sheep unclean as well. Peter was applying this man-made extra standard on top of Elohim's standard, which the voice condemned three times. This erroneous standard was applied to Gentile people as well. Jehovah knew that Peter would not want to go with Cornelius' people. And Peter believed going to a Gentile's home for fellowship would make him unclean somehow. Elohim had to destroy Peter's deeply held misconceptions so that he could be used to introduce Cornelius and the Gentiles to the gospel of Yeshua. But more on that in a future podcast. Our point for now is to emphasize that what Yehovah has cleaned is thoroughly clean and holy for the purposes he intends. Peter's vision corrected the Jewish believers' understanding back then, and it should correct all believers' understanding today. The problem is, we do not use the Torah as context for understanding the Bible. So, we rely on made-up doctrines like, Yeshua made all meats clean. It is our job to be conversant on the difference between holy and common, and between clean and unclean based on Yehovah's word. People who attack those who want to learn the Hebrew roots of their faith should understand why Yeshua and the Pharisees were in opposition so often. The Pharisees of that time imposed many extra requirements on Yehovah's holy people, despite Yehovah's warning not to add or subtract from his instructions. Those attacks are simply missing the mark. I'm with you, Mama. Oh, and um, speaking of missing the mark, those words convey the meaning of one of several Hebrew words translated as sin. As the holy people of Jehovah, we are to keep ourselves pure and clean, free from the defilement of sin. These days, I wonder if we, as believers, are clear on what sin is. 
If someone asked if lying, stealing, or adultery was a sin, I'm sure most believers would say, of course it is. If someone asked if swapping Sunday for Saturday as the new Sabbath was a sin, you might get a mixed response, Hmm. even though all these examples are from the same Ten Commandments. At the end of the day, our opinions don't define sin. What matters is how Elohim defines sin. Amen. Exodus 34-7 includes three of the most used Hebrew words for types of sin. In that scripture, Jehovah is passing by Moshe and proclaiming his name. Starting in verse 6, it says, Jehovah passed before him, before Moshe, and proclaimed, Jehovah. Jehovah is Elohim, merciful and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in grace and truth, showing grace to the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity, transgressions, and sins, yet not exonerating the guilty, but causing the negative effects of the parents' offense to be experienced by their children and grandchildren and even by the third and fourth generation. Tim, this is a very powerful and heavy proclamation. Mm -hmm. In this declaration of his greatness, Jehovah declares three things he forgives. They are sin, transgression, and iniquity. The Hebrew word chatah is often translated as sin. Chatah means to miss something or to fail. This is the straightforward meaning of the word chatah. In other places in the Bible, it's used to literally mean missing something that one was aiming for, like an archer hitting someone's window instead of the target. What we, as believers, should be aiming for is doing what pleases our Heavenly Father, keeping His commandments, being holy as He is holy. The second Hebrew word translated as transgression is peshah. Peshah's basic meaning is breach, as in the breach of a contract or the breach of a covenant or relationship. Peshah is an act that breaks a peaceful relation between two parties. All sin breaks the peace between Elohim and the person committing the sin. It must be dealt with, or the consequences are deadly. The third Hebrew word in our list is avon, translated as iniquity. We don't use the word iniquity too often in modern-day conversation. In a Bible sense of the word, iniquity means depraved or crooked. Years ago, I saw a movie called Life. It was about two men who were sentenced to life in prison under questionable circumstances. While there, they played baseball with a man they called Can't Get Right. This character had trouble doing most anything other than playing baseball. Anyway, the name Can't Get Right reminds me of Avon. When iniquity or depravity is involved, the outcome simply can't get right or just can't be right, at least not until the iniquity is dealt with. When we hear the word sin, It is also equated in the Bible with lawlessness. 1 John 3 verse 4 tells us that whoever commits sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the the transgression of the law. So Tim, 
Does this mean that we are breaking Jehovah's law if we think that certain of his laws were done away with when we got saved? Well, I would say yes. We know that Elohim's Torah is perpetual mm -hmm. uh, because that's true and because Yeshua, the Messiah, said in his word that uh, his word would not pass away. Belief that some laws are done away with is the same as taking away from Elohim's word. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2 reads, Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of Jehovah your Elohim, which I command you. Tim, this might be a good time to ask the question, mm -hmm. what would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs are out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and live your life using your own or someone else's definition of sin and holiness? Or take the red pill and live by Jehovah's definition? Only you can answer that question. Let's follow what the word says keeping faith in the promises of our Elohim. And since we have these promises, let us purify ourselves from everything that can defile either body or spirit and strive to be completely holy out of reverence for Elohim. Amen. That comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Amen, Daddy. There is so much more we would like to share but that's it for today. Let us know what you think. We appreciate your prayers and comments. Listen again at your leisure. Read over the scriptures and discuss them with your family and friends. And thank you for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Tour, where you can handle the truth.